This is Maurice Philogene, and welcome to the Try Life Farm podcast. Well, you may not believe it, but I've been an actor. I've tried out for the NFL, been a street cop, federal agent. I worked my way up the military chain of command to the rank of lieutenant colonel. I was also an executive at a global consulting firm, hundreds of millions of dollars worth of real estate in the United States. I've started developing on a Mediterranean island and to boot. I've traveled to 100 countries over 300 times and generally all this stuff at the same time. No, I'm not trying to be everywhere. I'm not trying to do everything. What I was trying to do, and I'm still trying to do, is to try life on, to plug into planet and earth as intended, and to fill my life book with experiences and relationships, and not just accept the status quo. So what we're gonna do on this podcast is introduce you to the mindset, the skill set, the soul set, the approach that is Try Life On, and expose you to the people who've been doing it just like me, their tools, their tips, their tactics to trying life on, because we all can try life on in our own way. So sit back, relax, let's go for a ride. Let's go try life on. One, two, one, two, one, two. This is your boy, Maurice, Maurice Philogene. Welcome back to another edition of the Try Life On podcast. Um, this is going to be a good one for those of you who want to dive deep into the mindset, skill set, and soul set of what trying life on is, what it means to build lifestyle you don't need a vacation from, and how that helps you plug into planet and earth as intended, like getting us so far away from the status quo and helping you create whatever that extraordinary life is and making it ordinary on a day-to-day basis. From time to time through the website, I will have people who will essentially pay for a consultation and just deep dive questions about trying life on, about lifestyle design, sometimes about real estate, certainly about building business, and certainly about leveraging the nine to five more than it leverages us. And that was the case for this wide reaching conversation with Matt. Matt works in the financial industry, and he graciously has allowed me to use this wide-ranging conversation as part of the podcast because we get in deep into very specific topics, which he's trying to figure out for his own life, but we recognize that it could be applicable to yours. So if you have questions about real estate, questions about leveraging the nine to five, questions about geographic freedom and being able to move around planet and earth to build relationships and have meaningful experiences all over the place, this is the conversation for you. This is me opening the kimono, if you will, and letting Matt know how I did what I did and how I continue to do it such that he can apply it to his life. And we, me and Matt, want you to be able to hear it, to apply it to your own, all right? So sit back, listen to this consultation or one hour shoot the breeze with my man, Matt. I think you'll enjoy it. It will help you try life on in your own way. And if you have any questions related to it, send me a note. I'd be happy to talk about it with you directly on social media. Just ask me the questions, okay? But for now, enjoy this conversation with my man, Matt. All right. Good to meet you, man. And how can I help? So I watched the interviews that you suggested in preparation for this. And one quote, I think it was your interview with Matt Doan. You said, I wish I had gotten here earlier and I could have with what I know. Um, so I'm hoping that that's what we can, you know, have you impart to me during our call today. I'm, I'm looking to get to where you are, where you have the five types of freedom that you talk about. Yep. And just kind of skip the years of figuring it out because you've already figured it out. You know, I just need to get tactical and get to it so my main two goals from our call today are kind of working on mindset and limiting beliefs which is something that you mentioned in one of the interviews that you had benefited from having a coach that he helped you kind of work past your limiting beliefs and specifically get tactical about how i can you know take the next two steps which for me personally are getting a a personal residence and buying my first rental property so getting a personal a like a place to live yeah, I currently live with family, so it, it's like my first step personally is, you know, moving out, whether I'd be renting or buying, and I'd, I'd be interested in your thoughts on that, because I, I think I read in one of your posts that you rented longer than you needed to, to yeah. get more flexibility in your in your income to be able to buy more assets, so your thoughts on that, is, uh, hopefully at some point on the call. Okay, well, so tell me where you, actually, let's do this, so I, I wrote down mindset, limiting beliefs. You have two goals of buying a personal residence and buying a potential property. The The background I have on you is that you're renting now? No, I, I currently live with family, so no. no you're living with family. Okay. Yeah. 
living with family. And then for work, I, I didn't dive deep into your stuff, but for work, you're working at, what are you doing there? I'm the controller of the head fund of, if you're familiar with, I'm the controller for his head fund. What's the life goal? Like I get the, I get the personal residence, I get the buying the property, but this is in the context of maybe it's what you said, just like figuring out the five freedoms and skipping over all the bullshit kind of thing. Yeah. So I really like my job. I like the people that I work with, you know, the, the type of environment that I'm in is kind of like a wall street environment, which is kind of, it's become more common in, in South Florida, but I guess it's a little bit unique to get that down here. Um, yeah. So I, I could see myself working where I am for the next, uh, you know, 10 to 15, 20. I don't, I don't know that I want to go out that far, but like 10 years, I could definitely see myself here and be happy. But I would like to, basically, there's like two paths that I see for myself. I, I stay here 20 years and I have passive income so that whenever the time comes, I can just retire. Let's say, you know, you, I think you mentioned you retired around 46. That, that sounds very plausible or maybe just 10 years. And I kind of pivot into more focusing on real estate because when I look like deep into my future, you know, 60s, 70s, 80s, I never see myself retiring. And although I haven't really worked in real estate, I could see that being a fulfilling life path for myself. Yeah. That would give me flexibility to continue to work and stay active, but not have to work. You know what I mean? Okay. I got you. I got you. All right. Here's my I just give you thought process and you stop me wherever you need to stop me. Okay. Mm. I think you're, you're 28 is what I recall. Yeah. All right. Cool. We don't know. We don't know when we're going to want to get off career highway. It, mm. There's just no way to know because just like you, I actually, I try to get across that. I never shit on corporate. I don't shit on corporate. I don't think anything's wrong with it at all. It's just that I wanted the ability to do what I want, when I want, how I wanted so I decided to use corporate as leverage and do all the stuff that you know that I've done, specifically investing in real estate. As far as staying 20 years versus maybe staying 10 years and stuff, the way that you can give yourself options, I think there's two, two things to consider. My, there's two types of financial freedom from my perspective, and I'm just going to lean towards financial freedom because it empowers time freedom, it empowers geographic freedom and things of that nature. The first kind of financial freedom is the easiest one that I talk about all the time and many other people do as well. More passive income than you have expenses. That, that's easy. Like if you if you have five grand coming in from real estate or dividend stocks or whatever it is, and you have three grand worth of bills and there's two grand left over, you can do whatever the hell you want. The funny thing is social media and society has conditioned us from my perspective to believe that we have to have 10 million in the bank or we have to have 40 grand coming in. No, if you have free cash and time, you are as powerful as any millionaire or billionaire from my perspective. So what I tell my coaching students or anyone I spend time with, I don't think that people intuitively want to be a millionaire or billionaire. I don't think so. I think what they've always wanted is the experiences that they think millionaires and billionaires have. Mm -hmm. Well, those people have experiences because they have money and because they have money, they have time. But one of the ways you can short circuit that whole thing, if you have more passive income than expenses, you have time and you can literally go gallivant anywhere you want around the world. And also your brain just becomes more creative outside of the work that you're doing now to create other, other things, okay? So I'll, I'll leave that one definition of financial freedom there. You can go after that and we'll talk about that in a second. And you're in a great position to do it. But the other definition of financial freedom is there are people who like their jobs and have no interest in being real estate investors or what have you. So why not get a virtual job that gives you geographic freedom to be anywhere you want or live anywhere you want or what have you? Ask better questions of your virtual job or your employer such that, you know, on a day-to-day -day basis, Matt is wherever, Florida, Costa Rica, Denver, I don't care, but such that you control your schedule and thereby you control your time, which means you have the freedom to be able to live the way you want. So I have coaching students who have just totally left corporate. They were making 300, 400, 500 in corporate. In some cases, they go to a virtual gig, they're making exactly the same or they're making way less, but they are living a lifestyle that is much more practical for what they want 
out of their own life, right? Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. So I, I see it both ways. I, I encourage and help people reorient or leave corporate altogether. Again, nothing wrong with corporate or any job. Reorient or leave it and develop a lifestyle such that they can live more freely now. But then I also do the thing with people, encourage you to consider, yeah, you can just prep for the day that you don't want to do what you're doing because brother, it's going to come. It's either you're going to age out, you're going to hate what you're doing. You're just not going to want to be doing what you're doing. You don't want to be left flat footed. And that's where the real estate stuff comes in is like, okay, I have not just real estate, any other passive income source. I have invested my my entire time. It's 10 years down the road and I have X amount of passive income coming in. I have a choice. To me, this stuff was all about choices. It's not about competing with your peer in the cubicle next door or your neighbor to see who has more. That's where everybody gets fucked up, in my opinion, because they're always competing with each other rather than creating something for themselves. Does that make mm -hmm. sense? Yes. Right on. Okay, so whether you want to stay 20 years or 10 years, prep for it. If you want a more free lifestyle now, and I don't know what your lifestyle is uh, just based on this call, but there's many ways to orient your lifestyle today to be more free. I do it with people all the time. I just want to give you that uh, realization. Let's talk real estate for a second and your personal residence and buying up investment property. Everything from my perspective when it comes to lifestyle design or just, you know, Matt, having however you want to live comes down to your goals, period. If your goals are relative to what you and I just talked about, the freedom aspect of it, and you want to jump on the real estate bandwagon, not necessarily for real estate, but because of the passive income, then do that. You can take the amazing money you're getting from the enterprise where you work now, store enough capital to buy your first investment property, buy your first investment property, put that property on your chessboard one year later or less, depending on how much you make, you store down payment again and you go do it again. I, that is literally what I, and I feel like you know it, but that is literally what I did. I didn't, I didn't raise money from people. I didn't, I, none of that. I was just very systematic about storing money and buying stuff, buying real estate. The one advantage that I think that you have that you may not see, I know it's difficult in Florida, depending on where you live, but because you could go buy a primary residence and live in it, let's say a multifamily, like a twoplex or a threeplex or a fourplex, you could, and I think I sent you that post, get an FHA, live in one of them, rent out the other two or three, stay there for a year, optimize that asset, put someone in the unit that you're living in, move out and do it again. I love that approach because what that does is it gets you max amount of doors control, controllable to you because later in life, it truly is how many doors you have because for every door, like every door itself is a revenue source. You know what I mean? So you can certainly do that. I like that idea. And then when it comes to the personal residence, again, it's back to goals, man, because I don't know. I think a personal residence is where you got to live to get up every day and go do shit. If you don't, if my assumption, you're not married or kids or anything no. like that. Like, why are you in a rush? Like, there's, there's just no rush. All that would do at this point, from my humble perspective, is add expenses that you just don't need, which will claw away from your ability to go do the investment stuff or the lifestyle design stuff that you want to do now. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's all a choice. And I think a lot of the reason why people push into the, I got to get a house to live is because that's what every commercial on TV says. Mm -hmm. I got to go get a house to live. So it, 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 to me, it all goes back to goals. You certainly can go buy a, an investment property. You're, you're in a, like a phenomenal position to do that. You can go buy a personal residence too. If your goal right now is look I, like, I love my family, but I got to get my own space. I can understand that too. But like, what's the goal? Like, which one is the most important thing? Because you're in a wonderful position to do either one. Yeah, I think that that's a good point. And um, you mentioned, I, again, through many of your posts, you've mentioned that you did a, apartments was your main kind of tactic for, I, I want to say like the first, you know, 20 units, you know, however many units. 
And you mentioned yeah. in one of the interviews that it was a real estate agent that said to, you know, get those small places rather than the big places. Yeah. About the philosophy in that, please. Yeah, absolutely. I was, uh, I was probably around your age somewhere, but I had started buying condos in DC, big ones, like 300 grand, 400 grand. This is back in like 05, man, 2005. <clears throat> and I was in my early mid twenties. And the agent, one of the agents that I was working with was an older lady. She was like 70 something. And she told me, cause she, she sold me a place in Alexandria, Virginia. And she said, and I think it was like a hundred grand. She said, Maurice, I know you're buying that $400,000 thing in DC, which was a lot of money for me at the time. And she said, and I just want to tell you, instead of doing that, why don't you buy more of these $100,000 things and just pay them off over the years? And I didn't, it, it sit with me, but I didn't totally understand the power of it at the time. But what she was saying was, like, everybody's chasing the shiny thing. Everyone's chasing the big object or the ability to say, I own that penthouse in D.C. That, that post that I did one time on my biggest real estate mistake when I mm -hmm. bought that penthouse, that was me chasing the shiny thing. What she was trying to stress to me was, secure your life. That should be the shiny thing. Mm -hmm. So, hey, there were mortgage products back in 05. You can get a lot of these little mortgage products right now. They're barely even checking your W-2s. Get these small things because they're manageable and you can understand them. And in theory, you can pay them off over time. She, she was like, buy 10 or buy 12. Like three of them somewhere in there will probably appreciate at some point. Mm -hmm. We'll take the appreciation of those three, sell them, get rid of them. Take the appreciation, add it to your paycheck, dump it all on the other ones and pay all those off. And at the time I was like, well, then I'm, well, I just own these little shit condos in Virginia. She's like, no, you own $7,000 of cash flow where other people have to go to work. That really sit with me. That's where that whole philosophy came from. And I stayed on it from 02 to 2015. That's how I did all that. I just bought stuff paid it off, bought stuff, paid it off, bought stuff, paid it off. And that's what gave me my freedom, if you will. So obviously it's worked very well for you, but I've heard people be a little bit skeptical of uh, buying apartments because of HOAs and maybe complications that aren't yeah. present with a single family home. So can you speak on that a little bit? They present, they do present. I have certainly had some issues with condo associations along the way. And when you say apartments, what I'm talking about is single family right. condos. Yeah, that's a, a few of them were single family homes with no HOA, no condo association, no HOA. So I did have a few of those along the way. And I, I own three of them still. At the time, when I thought about a condo, I just saw a condo fee as just another expense. It's just a line item. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's electricity, there's gas, there's condo fee. I don't care. Like if the numbers work, mm -hmm. then the numbers work. The, the only the, the thing you have to be careful about with condo associations is your property is governed by them. And condo associations, just like any other organization, are not always run well and can always have problems. Mm. I have only of all these years, I had one major issue with a condo association in that they did a very terrible job managing the maintenance of a roof along this complex, which was tough because this was an old World War II era complex that was converted into condos. They didn't fix it well. And I got this letter in 2014-15, we're going to do a special assessment. Everybody has to pay 1800 bucks a month for a year and a half. That hurt. Yeah. But that's out of 35, 40 places, right? So I don't care if you do single family home, condos, townhouse. It's a line item. It's a it's a thing you have to deal with. It it could be you buying a house on the water. I'm in a I'm at my cottage on the water now. And one of my line items here is I have to pay for flood insurance. I, I don't care. The 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 premise is. You're buying an asset and you can improve that asset over time or move on from that asset if you have to. But what I encourage people is get into the habit 
of buying assets. And all those people who are telling you that, they're not necessarily wrong, but these are the same people who will work 40 to 50 years for Social Security. Mm -hmm. That's my fundamental belief. Yeah. And so since you're speaking about uh, line items and just as long as the numbers work, do you have like a spreadsheet that you, I'm sure at this point you just see a deal and you know if it works. But for me that I don't have like that mental calculator built, do you have like an Excel based one or like what is the process that I should go through <laughs> to make sure these numbers, uh, these deals pencil? I can, I can find one. I haven't for condos or for single family homes. I haven't done it in a long time. I just, in my head, I can, I mean, I literally just scratch it out on paper at this point, mm -hmm. but it's to me, it, you know, I did a post, hang on one second. I, I remember it was my expenses post on a West Virginia property. I'll find it and I'll, or search my post and look, uh, search West Virginia. But honestly, it's just the ins and outs. It's what's the income, what's the expenses and where people trip up is they don't have a mentor or someone who's experienced because I can see expenses that most people can't. Right. And mm -hmm. your boss can see expenses that I could never fucking see. Right. Cause he's, he's experienced, you know, mm -hmm. you just have to get comfortable. And that's why in a lot of the posts I talked about that, I, I didn't really know what I was doing when I first started. So I just got a book and the, the book told me what the expenses were, you know, mm -hmm. um, and true to form. One of the reasons I started with condos was two twofold. One, I didn't want to deal with maintenance. I didn't want to deal with cutting the grass or the roof or whatever. Don't let the condo association do that. Uh, and then two, I just picked up a book and the book happened to be about condos and it just explained shit. And I was like, yeah, okay. And then I'll do condos. I didn't really overthink it, you know, but I can find a spreadsheet. I can see if I can find an easy spreadsheet and send it to you or look at that post on West Virginia. You'll see how I think about the expenses and the income and mesh them all together. Okay. Yeah. Okay, and then good. one more thing on that expenses and income. We're in this weird inflationary period, but if you're going to project out, in general, the rule of thumb is income goes up 3% a year, expenses go up 2% a year, in general. So if you do a run for today, like, mm -hmm. okay, it's going to make me a thousand bucks a month. Here, I'll just run down one. I own a small condo in like Hartford, Maryland. I think it, I think the, the gross rent is 1200 bucks a month. I pay the property manager 10%. So that's 120 bucks. Condo association is like 300 bucks a month. I pay insurance, which is like 12 bucks a month. I own that condo outright. So I, I pay the property taxes directly, which is 600 a year. So whatever that is a month. And then it spits out at the bottom the number. I think on that condo, I make I don't know, 600 bucks a month, maybe 500 bucks a month. So it's like six grand a year, seven grand a year, which at my level is not a ton of money. But to me, it's a shit ton of money because I did 30 of them. People don't look at it that way. They keep chasing the shiny pill. And what I wanted was the shiny life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Did you have a minimum cash flow that you expected on any deal to even consider it? When I started, no. I was just trying to get my hands on assets and I didn't know any better. And I did do a few negative cash flow deals at the beginning. I had the belief that I could, if I could just get my hands on the damn thing, I was willing to take money from my paycheck at work and supplement it for a while as I improved it. I won't do that nowadays. It's not necessary. I did not have a cash flow number. I didn't have a cash on cash number. I didn't have a what's my average rent number. I didn't I didn't overthink it like that. I, I was just very aware that if I could get some quality assets on my chessboard, I could just improve them over time. In a lot of cases, I still think like that with like the Mediterranean stuff that I'm doing. There's no cash flow. There's there's nothing. It is me being a little bit speculative in believing that I can improve someone's life over time. And I'm okay with that. And I'm glad you asked the question because here's my point. People will come up with, you have to have X cash on cash to buy that piece of property. You have to have this average annual return to buy that piece of property. You have to have this internal rate of return to buy that piece of property. I get all that. 
where people mess up, in my opinion, is they don't look back at the life-related goal that it accomplishes. They just mess it up. So when I did do the condos from 2002 to 2015, I wasn't looking at rates of return. I was looking at the bottom line of how it would pay for my bills. And yeah, it took 14 years to generate 160 grand in cash flow, which is very slow and inefficient, but it achieved my life goal. So why do I care? Mm. Right? Everybody's chasing some level of measurement or something. I don't really chase that outside of what I have to do for Quattro Capital Investors. That's a very different story. But when it comes to me and my own life, if that piece of property or that project or that relationship meets a particular life goal, even if it's inefficient, I don't care. I will still go do it because I have patience to do it. So if you were taking some negative cash flow deals up front with the long-term goal that it was eventually going to pay for your bills, you knew yep. that you were going to... I guess, raise rent at some point. So did you have a strategy that you raised rent at like regular intervals as you improved the property or how did that work? I, yeah, that's a great question. Again, the negative cash flow stuff was very early in my real estate journey. I'll say in the mid 2000s. No, I, it wasn't that I, well, maybe a little bit that I could raise rent over time. And we're not talking major negative. We might be talking a hundred bucks, 200 bucks, 300 bucks kind of thing. But maybe, maybe I could raise the rent along with refinancing the loan a year later, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe I felt like, okay, I'm going to buy this negative cash flow thing. I'd have to go back and look how many. I think I did three or four of them. But maybe I could buy this negative cash flow thing that's negative two, three hundred bucks. But in a year, I know that I'm selling this one and this one is going to be, be able to pay off this one. I was strategic like that. Like I would think through, it's like, it's all chess pieces. You know what I mean? Everyone looks at every, not everyone. Some people look at pieces of property in and of itself. I was looking at pieces of property in and of my life, mm -hmm. if, that, if that makes sense. So no, I didn't have a great plan. I would not do negative cash flow today because I don't have to. But at the time and still today, my premise is an asset if you can have a good plan for it, it's still an asset. Even if it's shitty, you can improve it. It doesn't always work. I had my failures along the way, but I'm like, if I have 30 successes and six failures, it's okay. I'm okay with it. Was there anything in common about the failures? I know that you mentioned that you, um, your post about buying the expensive penthouse. Yeah. Uh, so did the failures have in common that they were higher higher end ticket items or was there anything in common about the failures though you know, yeah I don't every few of them i have thought about that you know ever, posting on linkedin has been one of the best things for me mentally it's been my like my own therapy so when you see me writing like that it's not because i feel like i know everything i'm actually re reflecting on my own journey and i'm grateful for it a friend of mine jerome convinced me to do it in late 2019 i'm i'm hyper grateful as I reflect on all those stupid things that I did, one theme keeps popping out. Every time I made a mistake, it was because I was chasing money or chasing someone else's version of something. Every single time. Every time I've had success relative to myself, it's been because that thing that I'm doing is complementary to or supportive of some life goal. So when I went after the coffee shops that I talked about where I bombed and I lost 40 grand, I, I wasn't like, I wasn't interested in serving the best coffee in DC and all that. I was like, I just saw some of my friends having businesses and I wanted to have a business that didn't really make sense. So I, you know, I went after those coffee shops and I never got there. I lost that money. When I went after that penthouse condo, my ego got way too big. And I started chasing real estate in DC because I just wanted to be able to say, I own 10, con 10 penthouses in the city. I'm the shit. Yeah, well, that cost me hundreds of thousands of dollars. The real estate in Cyprus is a really good example. I, I have sent a fair amount of money over there. It will make me a fair amount of money on return at some point in the future. But what I have gotten from it 
has done more for my life and my kid's life and their kid's life than I could ever possibly express to you. Because when I did it, it was me going after lifestyle that no Haitian in my family had ever had. And how can I do something different? How can I be immersed in other cultures? How can I grow from being an IT consultant and a police officer and a military guy into being this Mediterranean guy? The relationships, the business understanding, the learning, dude, it, and I didn't go after Cyprus or the Mediterranean to impress people. I genuinely went after it because before I die, I want to, I wanted to know what it was like. Like I wanted to give my family something that no other person in my family could ever possibly do. Right. Like I'm just winning in that respect, even if I don't make money, but I'm going to make a ton of money doing that work. So the theme has been when I've done business and life ventures relative to having a good life or meeting my life related goals, I keep winning every effing time I get off track and some commercial convinces me to do something or someone's chirping in my ear and they convince me to go on a business venture that chases money or whatever, I keep losing. And one more thing, I will equate that to my good decision in the corporate space to not go after partner and go after certain positions. That had zero to do with my life aspirations. That had everything to do with this nominal career track that everybody does. And we're humans, we're fallible. It's really hard for people to not follow and listen to what their peers and neighbor say. It's hard. That's why I talk about entrepreneurial depression sometimes because everybody was going to the right. And I'm like, uh, I think I'm gonna go to the, I think I'm gonna go to the left, right? Every time I went to the right and followed the crowd, some stupid shit happened relative to my life that I want, wanted no part of. Every time I followed my own thing or went after things relative to my own goals, then I seem to be doing all right. So that's the thread that I have found in reflection of what's happened with me. So you said that when you kind of went off track, it was because you were chasing money, but we yeah. discussed how uh, financial freedom is kind of like the keystone that allows, you know, the other freedoms. So how do you distinguish chasing money versus money being a goal to create financial freedom? Yeah. So my experience at Accenture is a good example at that corporate firm is a very good example. I was going after the largest paycheck for the least amount of time possible. In your mind, you might be like, well, Mo, isn't that chasing money? No, because that money was very purposeful. I knew why I was going to go get that money. That money was specific to going after real estate, which was specific to getting passive income, which was specific to me living life a particular way. There was nothing about those coffee shops in my mind as I look back on it that I think like, I'm gonna get this coffee shop. I'm gonna serve amazing coffee to all these people. And as a byproduct, I'm gonna make all this money. And then this money I'm gonna use to buy real estate such that I can go live a different, there was none of that. There was just me like, I'm just gonna go do more and more and more. Mm. It was not thought out at all. So there's nothing wrong with going after money. We, we, no, we need it. I'm still going after money, but I am going after money for very specific reasons now to include the uh, philanthropy work that I do in the Mideast and Quattro Capital, right? Like we've done all these apartment complexes. That's going after money. Yeah, but I'm going after money to help other people invest in their future. And also Quattro takes a good portion of that money and we do philanthropic work with it, right? It's just whatever you do, man, just please make sure it's intentional as part of a plan because that's the thing that pushes you to get up every day because you know it's for a purpose. Mm. so it's it's not so much chasing money as it is chasing the the goals that you've set for yourself so i guess we could call chasing money money for money's sake not absolutely okay. absolutely yeah and if i would have gotten partner i would have gotten it for the wrong reason it i was already achieving my goal of acquiring real estate and protecting my time at the level where i already was so why did I need to go to the next level again to go get a little bit more money, but give up maybe another 40 hours of time a week? Like it just, it, it, everything should be very goal oriented, um, but there's zero wrong with going after money. I just think it needs to be 
uh, as I say, like a career should be a purpose, me being a police officer, me being in the military, a career should be a purpose or it should be purposeful. I, I wasn't in love with Accenture. I, I did enjoy it, but it was purposeful. I just wanted those checks. And when those checks showed up, I went out and got real estate with it. And I got the real estate to create the passive income. And I got the passive income so I could be sitting here at 47 years old talking to you and not having to worry about going to work on Monday. So I had a question that I lost. So I'll circle back to a different question. Yep. <clears throat> you said, um, I wish I had gotten here earlier and I could have with what I know now. Could you, do you have like, if you went back to yourself, what are like the three things that you would say like, hey, this is it, or maybe it's one thing, but what would have gotten you here at uh, 36 instead of 46? Brother, when I say I wish I would have gotten here earlier, I'm not necessarily referencing money. What I'm referencing is I am plugged into life and planet in a way that I hope people get to experience one day. It's really hard for me to explain. The things that I've done and the things that I'm doing, travel hacking, for example, being able to get on a plane at a moment's notice and pop up in some other country just to sit and read a book or having this conversation with you or uh, I'm, on, I'm sitting in a two bedroom, one bath, very humble cottage on the water in Maryland right now that I strategically thought through how to get and bought it on my way out the door of the W-2 because I was very aware that once I left the W-2, mortgage companies wouldn't give me a more. Like I, I have figured out this lifestyle design blueprint that is allowing me to access planet and life as I think God intended. I'm not saying my shit is perfect. No, 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 God, I have a lot to learn and all that type of stuff. But I have unplugged from the matrix totally. I'm not interested in titles. I don't care what people think outside of the people that love me and that I have respect for. I would much rather spend a Saturday morning with someone like you who's trying to improve their life than I would impressing someone at a bar tonight spending a thousand bucks. Zero interest. So when I say I wish I would have gotten here sooner, my financial freedom journey helped me open up life in a way where I started to realize that it was never about money in the first place. It was, it's not, it's not money, man. And to experience life as intended from my perspective, we need time. Time's the only asset that you and I have. To gain time, you can leverage, you can do so in the, the two ways that you and I talked about, right? The uh, financial freedom in two different ways. You can also protect time. You can do 20% of the things that gave you 80% of the results. You can build relationships. Like for example, if you and I are stuck at the office from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m., we're not building relationships in different parts of the world or in different areas of our life with extraordinary people who make life incredible. We're just stuck in the cubicle with the people whose minds are confined to those walls and hallways you know what i mean mm -hmm. so that's what i'm saying when i when i say i i wish i would have gotten here sooner and i'll tell you how i would have got here sooner i wish i would have gotten here sooner because the way that i live my life since age 38 I, I can't even explain it to people what's happening and and how much i'm enjoying the planet it's really hard as far as the tactical financial stuff, it's just that that slog of paychecks, buying a property, waiting for property to appreciate, paying off a property, paychecks, paying off. I mean, it was systematic. Dude, it was slow. It was a grind. I miss so much social interaction with a lot of different people. I just mean that my approach could have been more streamlined with what I know today but who gives a shit? Like I, I got where I needed to be, but that's what I mean by that. It's like, I'm sitting here talking to you and the way that I think that your mind is running in there is right. It, this is not a money thing. It's a, it's a life thing. It is the ability to control your time, to be where you need to be, to plug into extraordinary people, to go to the Arctic if you want to, to 
build businesses if you want to, to work from anywhere in the world if you want to, to not work if you don't want to. So it's that. It's it's not like everyone's chasing money. That That's so fleeting. Uh, what I explain to my kids is you have two responsibilities. One, you have to learn how to make money grow because the ability to make money grow gives us access to time. And then the second thing I've told my kids is the number two thing you have to do in life is be happy. That's it. So what could I, what, what do I mean by getting there faster? One, learning how to make money grow faster. Two, being happy. People are chasing the wrong thing, in my humble opinion. Is there something that you would have done differently to have more quality of life during the time that you're calling the slog of, you know, getting to the 160 passive? Yes. People. You're, you're growing up in the age of Internet 2.0 maybe 3.0 now. Uh, when I started real estate, I think Google had been around for two years or something. There was no LinkedIn. Facebook had just started. There was no Instagram. MySpace was just going away. So I was doing all that real estate stuff, which was truly life stuff. And remember, when I started the real estate stuff in my early 20s, I had started the travel stuff too. I had figured something out. Like I was onto something. In reflection, the it wasn't a mistake, but the challenge that I had was I wasn't aware that there were Matt's and Maurice's out there. I just kind of felt like I was on this island doing things on my own. In reflection, what I would have changed was to find similar-minded people. I thought I was unique. I wasn't unique. I was just not aware that there were other people seeking greater than, oh, I want to be the executive vice president with a $300,000 salary, right? I can find them everywhere now because social media and because of the way that I post and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. But if I could go back and do it again, which I wouldn't because it has made me who I am today, find being around more people, similar minded people who wanted more out of life or a designed life that was beyond just money would have changed a lot because it, you find the entrepreneurial depression posts. It was a dude, it was when I tell you it was a rough time, it was it was really, really hard when I think back on it. People would have changed that earlier. And they have now. So in 2015, when I found my Quattro partners, we started Quattro that like I did five million in real estate on my own from 2002 to 2015. Not bad. Paid off. In the last four years with them, I've done 200 million. It's People change everything. So <clears throat> when we talk about lifestyle design, is do you have a particular process? Uh, and I'm sure this has been you know, a 20-year process, 25-year process for you to create the vision for yourself. But do you have a process of like writing down habits, of like looking back at them frequently? Like I'm, I'm sure they're just ingrained, ingrained in your mind now, but maybe early on, did you have a process of like keeping it front of mind? The coaching that you have seen me allude to, Try Life On and the one-on-one -on -one coaching that I do, mm -hmm. what I did was I took everything that I've done over those 20 years and I distilled out of it a framework by which I help people create their lifestyle blueprint that they don't need a vacation, lifestyle they don't need a vacation from. I did not have that blueprint doing my own journey. <clears throat> the thing that seemed to work for me there were two catalytic events that happened to me. And then there was one particular thing that I would do all the time, which I credit to whatever success relative to myself. The two catalytic things that happened. One, I started traveling when I was 15. I was an inner city Boston kid who popped up in France and a family took me around for 30 days and it changed my life. Because what it showed me was that the world is a lot bigger than where we live. And there is an enormous amount of experiences to be had beyond who you are to include culture and family background and all that stuff that trip changed like french food french castles french wine french girls french funerals french weed french landscape like it just showed me that the world is bigger than sneakers beepers billboards pants clothes that stuff second thing was reading personal finance for dummies when i was 21 because i found the concept of passive income and here was the thing that tied it all together. Passive income is this, or any kind of income that's not related to where you are physically, 
gives you the ability to create time. And if you could create time or, or protect time, then I could go back and get the similar types of emotions that I had on that trip when I was 15. Does that make sense? Yeah. You, my friend, have just keyed into why I did 100 countries 300 times. I wasn't trying to see the whole world. I'm continually trying to have the level of experiences that I seem to be having every time I go plug into the planet, right? <clears throat> um, so those are the two catalytic things that happened to me. And then while I didn't have a process, the, the one thing that I kept doing that seems to have worked was I kept writing down my goals. Have you seen that post where I like, I think I've given a post a few times where I showed a wall post-it note of uh, goals that I wrote down in 2015 and 2014. I remember that one. They were on the wall forever. I think I started it in 2011, but they were on the wall and it was like eight, eight things I had to do to achieve financial freedom. And I crossed off the last one in 2014. I think I do remember a post where you're crossing things off. Yeah. I'm aware of it now, but there's this thing called the reticular activating system. Have you ever heard of that? Yeah. yeah. Or once you're aware of something, you keep picking up on it in the environment. But we pick up on it subconsciously. I think, no, I know. While I wasn't aware of what I was doing, what was happening was those goals were on my wall all the time. And I would see them unconsciously all the time. And I was moving towards it all the time without even realizing it. Even to the extent, as I sit here and talk to you in my waterfront cottage, I said 10 years ago, I'm going to live on the water. How the F did I get here? Because it was a goal that was on a piece of paper that was on my wall that I've seen for the last 10 years. And subconsciously, I think I've been moving towards this the entire time. So when I work with my coaching students, I'm vicious about you got to get the goals out of your head and onto a piece of paper in some kind of framework such that you are constantly moving to those goals. The other thing, remember I talked about how important time is? Mm -hmm. That's why I didn't go to the networking events at Accenture. That's why I said no to a lot of the social events when I was doing the real estate in my 20s and, and suffered the entrepreneurial depression, if you will. Because I was protecting time because if if the things I was being invited to do didn't necessarily help me achieve those goals that were written on those pieces of paper, I tended not to do it. I still don't, right? So people are always like, I don't have time. Yeah, but you didn't, you, you're not getting up at 4 a.m. in the morning because you went out with the fellas last night to do something that had no impact to your life and your goals. Don't get me wrong, like have fun. I, I'm not saying that. But what I'm suggesting is, you yeah, have fun once in a while. But do you need to be drunk every Friday, spending $500 when you could have spent that $2,000 monthly as a down payment on a property? No. So I didn't have a process back then, Matt, but writing my goals and putting them on the wall everywhere that I lived got me here. That's the process. I'm, I have a much more, much more formal thing for my coaching students to like move people in spades. But when I did it, I was just very convicted about the goals that I wrote down and subconsciously and consciously, I was always moving towards them. That was my process. Yeah. Um, think, think and Grow Rich, I think is the first place that I saw a concept of writing things down and like looking at it constantly. But I have them in my phone. I think I should probably have them in a physical environment. You need to put them in. I would encourage you to go on. Look, if you take one thing from me today, go on Amazon, order massively large wall post-it notes. Okay. The, the massive ones, the huge ones, put that bitch on your wall and whatever your five goals are, write that on there and make sure it's in a place where you see it or walk by it every single day. And one last thing, when you said the think and grow rich, I read that book very early, maybe 2000 seven, eight, nine, somewhere in there. I don't recall. I think I unconsciously picked up on what you just said, but I wasn't even aware that I picked it up. 
but it's been there the whole time and now I'm aware of it and now I'm even more vicious about it. So I'm, I'm giving you that sense. Like, I think one of the reasons that you and I are having this conversation today is because unconsciously and consciously, you want to be around people who are doing the types of things that you want to be doing, or at least have the mindset to move towards the types of thing. So my post resonated with you unconsciously and consciously, right? Absolutely. It's it's really powerful, this stuff, but it applies to everyone a bit different. Maurice, I, I lost track of when we started. Do we have until 45? Is that? Yeah, 45, okay. yep. Got a few more minutes. So I think your, your travel hacking is very interesting because I, I really like we just discussed that the concept of writing your goals down is familiar to me because I read that book so it's somewhere in me like the travel hacking really isn't at all in me so it, did you have like a book that you read for the first time that kind of like brought it to your attention or how have you built that skill well I did read some travel hacking stuff very early but to be honest you know the whole moniker that I use now try life on mm -hmm. I practice life all the time like legit. And this is my gift to you. Go practice life. One of my coaching students right now is on a plane. He should be back, but he's on a plane. He was practicing travel hacking from DC to New York to his girlfriends. So I think he paid like 80 bucks or something. And he flew standby. He has a way to fly standby. It's a long story. But the point is, it's not that he has it figured out. It's that he's practicing it constantly the trips to Cyprus or me running to Germany or whatever it people are like, what, what are you, what are you on your way to do? What business are you 90% of the time when I'm moving around the planet, it's just because I'm practicing how to do life. Right. Mm -hmm. um, no, I didn't read a book, but I'll give you the fundamental framework by which I travel hack. I live in DC. So DC is the hub for United airlines. You, in my opinion, you want to, um, if you want to travel a lot and travel hack, be loyal to the airline that is your city's hub or, and, or wherever you want to go. So I'm always in Europe in the Middle East. So United Airlines makes sense because they are part of the Star Alliance family. Once I get to Germany or Istanbul or London, I can, I can reach anywhere in the world. So I'm loyal to United Airlines. I have one business credit card. I have one personal credit card. Business expenses go here. Personal expenses go here. It's all united. My business card is two to one. My personal card is one and a half to one. I couldn't get the two to one. It was hard. Everything funnels to United. Uh, and then, of course, I buy regular tickets on United, too. I have a business, so I can, like, I have large expenses, and I can build that way. My ecosystem is around United Airlines and getting to Europe in the Mideast. I have membership to lounges and airports on purpose because the point of you and I traveling is not to travel on the cheap. It's to travel in the most amount of comfort for the least amount of money. I know exactly where there are showers in lounges. I know, for example, how to get into any lounge in the world. And I'll tell you how once I stop the recording. Remind me that, that I'll tell you, okay? But I'm going to stop the recording to do it. But the way that I, so I gave you the fundamental framework, but there, there's no way I could explain the entire thing to you because it's an art form that I've just kind of developed over the years. And I started, you know, I, I did a couple of travel hacking videos. I, I don't want to be known as a travel hacker. I was trying to give people the understanding of you, you've got to learn how to try life on. And it's not, it is, it's a, it's a skill set that gets developed over time, right? So case in point, I was talking to, I am moving into the media space. I won't talk about it on social media until I've quote unquote created what I want to create, but I'm moving into the media space, traditional media. And there is a particular director. He and I have become friends and he's in a European country now. And he mentioned it to me and immediately without thinking about it, I said, I'm going to come see you in two weeks for dinner. I will travel hack my way to that city. I'll probably get there for two, 300 bucks. I will meet his wonderful family. I will engage in culture in that city that I know nothing about. And I'm going to lean into that relationship and build a meaningful one because what this man knows about life 
and business is insane. But I've gotten very, very good at seeing opportunity. You, you don't even think, man, you just go, right? So when someone says like, uh, yeah, I just met a guy, but he, he lives here. Why, why are you not on a plane? In your life, here's another thing you can take from me. In your life, please consider a plane, a bus, and an airport, a bus station. The, the, the world, you can make, I have, I have developed the skill of making the world very small. I can go down the street to the next county here in Maryland, or I can take my ass to Istanbul. It's the same thing for me, right? So the travel hacking. No, there's no book. Y yes, you can get some things from books. You can learn how to use points. There are different cards and da, da, da. Just get something, get a framework and start fucking moving. People are just like, oh, let me go research how to, no, go try life on, go get out there. You can do it any any point you want. That's good, thank you. You are. Uh, could you give me, as someone who obviously has not 1% of the experience of trying life on that you do, could you give me a few different ways that I can do it that I won't know until I've been doing it for 20 years? You know, like obviously you're talking about traveling, but is there anything about traveling or like experiences that people just kind of like wait you know, when I retire, I'll do this, that I can start trying life on now. Yeah, don't do that. Mm -hmm. Don't do that. That's bullshit. I don't travel like a tourist. I, I don't even know what that is anymore. When I go somewhere, my goal is exactly what I told you about my new colleague. So I will get the same taxi driver or Uber driver, and I'll get their personal number. I, I don't want 30 Uber drivers in the city. I want the one guy or girl in the city. And if I have their number, especially in a foreign country, they'll come get you. If I have their number, we get to know each other. And I have built a relationship with this amazing human who's now willing to pick me up the next time I show up or is always around. So I want to know the taxi driver. I want to know the shop owner. I want to know the guy who owns the the guy or girl who owns the grocery store and i want to build a relationship with them that's how i learn where i'm at it's rare that i will get on the internet and research a place before i even go the first time i went to lebanon in november of 2019 i just landed i did check some safety stuff but i was a federal agent before so i was aware of some stuff or whatever but i just landed and you know it's my friendship network in that country now is insane. Think about travel as you extending your world, not you visiting somebody else's. So what would you do if you were in Florida or whatever? Like you would build relationships. Yo, I'm gonna see you next week. There's a guy, um, and I posted about him before. I love bringing up his example because he's like a brother to me now, but he, he, he opened a winery in Northern Lebanon and we've become friends. And I fly back just to, Kick it with him. So when you're traveling or trying life on, relationships, man. Even pilots on planes, I, I have their personal numbers now. Not that I'm going to be friends with them forever or that's going to be a deep relationship. But when I look at travel, I look at it as an opportunity to bridge a gap from one person to the next. That's why going after titles and stuff like that at work never, it, like it meant nothing to me, you know, outside of like personal satisfaction or something, we're just not interested. So if, if I could give you a piece of advice about trying life on, get up, practice, it's practice. You want to practice how to travel hack and go from Florida to Argentina? Well, get on a plane and go to Argentina. Okay, well, that trip cost me $1,200. Great. The next time, challenge yourself that that trip costs you 900. How are you going to do it? It, it, you see what I mean? Like it's a skill set that you build over time. And once you can build it, it becomes a skill set mindset that will bleed into every single part of your life. That's why you see me doing all these different business ventures or being a street cop or being a federal agent or, and I didn't do those things for like a month. I did them all for 15, 20 years. And people are like, how'd you do all that? Because I was practicing it all the time, right? Get into the habit of trying life on, getting to the habit of building meaningful relationships with people in different parts of the world or in your own city or 
like even your neighbor for crying out loud, like people don't even build relationships with their neighbors anymore. And then when you do, and you're already good at it, you just paid for my time. And hopefully this information saves you five years of bullshit. Mm -hmm. I have paid for other people's time as well, because I want to get right to the meat of the issue and people will not, we will pay a hundred thousand dollars for college, but we won't pay $5,000 for one person's one hour when that person has done is exactly what you wanted to do in your whole life. Why do you think I'm getting on a plane to go see that colleague? He's in Spain, but that's why I'm going to Spain. This man has done things in life. I just want to be around him. You see what I mean? Yeah. Don't be hesitant, man. Like titles are good. Money's good. Trying life on is better. That's awesome. Thank you. Hey guys, this is Maurice, host of the Try Life On podcast. And thank you for listening to another episode. I hope you are finding it useful in helping you design your own lifestyle that you don't need a vacation from. If that's the case, please consider dropping a review for me, whether in Apple, iTunes, or in Spotify. Drop a review, put some stars on it. Give me some feedback on how I can make the podcast better, what information you are looking for. I am doing my best to get information to you on the Try Life on Principles, the five freedoms, how to build lifestyle, travel hacking, all of it. And I want to do it for you. So please do a review for me. And until next time, my name is Maurice Philogene, and this is the Try Life on Podcast. Peace.